Living in retrospect is a bad idea, and sometimes we let our same old stories hold us back from the new adventure God has for us. But here's the truth. God wants to restory us, transforming our tales of tragedy into epics to anticipate. In this podcast, Mary DeMuth interviews people who have lived through God's powerful restory process, where they've discovered healing, joy, and a brand new perspective. So let's shed that old, painful story and find the freedom we've been longing for. The Restory Podcast starts now. Restory Season 2, Episode 15. Today's podcast is brought to you by BookLaunchMentor.com. If you're an author needing to polish your work before you launch it, or you need coaching and help to launch your staggering work of genius, check out the services at BookLaunchMentor.com. In a few weeks, I'll be having my very first USA-based mentoring intensive with 12 writers from around the nation, and I hope to continue to do that throughout the year. So stay tuned. And also, if you go to booklaunchmentor.com, you can get a free guide of 20 things you need to know to write that book. So check it out. Today, I am welcoming author and speaker and awesome person and entrepreneur Tracy Higley. She is going to be talking to us about a story that I think many of us can relate to about basing our worth in what we do. And I just have this feeling that you're going to walk away from this conversation really changed. She also has something free to give away to the listeners. So to receive that, just go to impactivity.com forward slash restory. Again, that's impactivity.com forward slash restory. And today, if you're listening to this on the actual day that this podcast drops, which is January 3rd, 2017, uh, she has um, her book, Impactivity is Free Today to Download. So be sure you take advantage of that very generous offer. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Tracy Higley. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to have Tracy Higley on the Restory show this week. And um, she and I have been friends for 4 million years, but not quite, (laughs) at least. But I specifically remember knowing her better when I took her picture at Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference several years ago. I was helping my daughter do like a, a missionary thing. She couldn't afford to go. So I was raising money for her missionary trip, or maybe it was my son's. I can't remember. But uh, anyone that wanted their author picture taken, I would take it and then they would donate to the cause. So um, I had several people that I took pictures of and Tracy was one of them. And that was kind of like our first, I think, I mean, we've, we knew each other before, but like our first like real time where we got to know each other a little bit. Am yeah. I right on that, Tracy? I think that's right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Cool. And those pictures were great. And I, I'm I'm embarrassed to say I'm still using them. So it's definitely <laughs> time for some new pictures. I need to get you to take some new pictures of, of me. Those were great pictures. So yeah, well, yeah. maybe this, uh, we'll see each other in uh, January in person. So maybe we can do it then. That would be really yeah, fun. That'd be great. Yes. So um, anyway, uh, I just really admire Tracy. She has an amazing business, but she also is a fiction writer and uh, she writes historical novels. And um, I almost said that they were hysterical because I don't know why I would have said that. They're just historical. I'm yeah, sure they're not really some... funny at all. So don't don't say that. <laughs> I'm sure there's some hysterical moments, but they are historical. 
and <laughs> she's a history nerd and buff. And so if you ever want to know history and have a storyline attached to it, it's a great way to have that kind of awesome escape. But um, I want to talk to Tracy the human, not just Tracy the writer. And I, so Tracy, why don't you fill the audience in on kind of how you grew up and bring us to the place where you want to start the story that you want to share today? All right. Thanks for having me, first of all. Sure. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I think, you know, I I know that a lot of us have stuff in our past that that shapes us. And I know that, you know, a lot of your listeners probably have some really, really tough stuff in their past that has shaped them in one way or another. And some of us have stuff that's not so tough, probably, you know, to look at as far as our background. Um, but I think it shapes us all the same. And when I look back, I think on my childhood, I can really see that I was born to overachieving parents who uh, really kind of reinforced the idea that the the harder you work, the better you'll do, and that hard work pays off, and even harder work pays off even better. So from a really early age, I, I just was always kind of a, a aggressive pushing kind of person, I think. Hopefully not push E, but maybe at least just pushing. And so it was a great it was a great home to grow up in, and you know, kind of success was was part of that deal, you know, it was part of that. And so I was an only child until I was almost 13 and then had a sister. And so that was a big, exciting moment in my life and met Christ at an early age, really early. I, my mom tells the story because I don't even remember it. So, you know, that was really young and it took years for me to really be, I think, solid and and convinced of the fact that I had a relationship with Christ. I think when you're that young, you know, it takes a little while to really make it your own. Um, so I can't really pinpoint an exact moment where uh, I believe I was saved, but I think that um, somewhere along the line in that childhood, I I figured that out. So, you know, I like I said, I've always kind of had this aggressive sort of you know achieving personality, and that started to really come out, I guess, in high school. And I, by the time I was a senior, I, I was. Now, full disclosure, I went to a small school, so this is not going to be as impressive as it probably sounds. But <laughs> by the time I was a senior, I was the editor of the yearbook, the captain of the cheerleading squad, the a class officer, and the valedictorian of my senior wow. class. So I was, you know, like I said, it was a small school, but still you know, kind of, I guess the important part of that story is that, you know, relative to my peers that were right around me, I was, you know, kind of just staying on top of everything and doing what I could to be on top of everything. And I think that really just solidified the thinking that that's what it takes to be valuable. That's what it takes to be worthwhile. Um, and so that's really kind of where my identity came from, I think, was just all of that pushing and all of that achieving. I don't resonate with that at all. Yeah, <laughs> I know. we've got issues, don't we? We do. Yeah. <laughs> So along the way there, even before that senior year of high school, I met my now husband and I actually met him when I was 14 and decided in my way that I was going to go after him and make him mine. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so the only problem with that was that while I was 14, he was 19 and a college freshman and I was a ninth grader. So, oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. 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 So, you know, through my eyes, that just seemed like a cool thing. You know, through his eyes, I think he was a little taken aback by this aggressive ninth grader that was, <laughs> had her sights set on him. So uh, that took me a little while. It took me a little while to get my way there <laughs> to, to actually get him to uh, be willing to date me. It took a couple of years and, um, you know, we became friends for a while and it was kind of a slow process, which was, I'm sure, good, even though at the time I did not think it was good. 
but yeah, we, you know, we got together and, and we actually got married um, the week after I turned 19. So I was still pretty young. When you I, were young. You were young. Yeah. See, I was even like overachieving in the marriage thing. Like it was just like, <laughs> let's get it done. Like let's, there's important check. stuff to be done. Marriage, yes. check mark, to-do list. <laughs> so I got that checked off and then, you know, headed into married life like most people do. Um, but, you know, really with that same kind of view of the world, I think, that that's the way that you get love, the way that you feel valued is what you do and do big, impressive stuff if you want people to really value you a lot. And so that was just kind of the, the story of my my early married life and and forward, really. So. Yeah, I I think for me, I've been kind of battling back and forth that achiever thing. Like on one hand, I think it's awesome because that's just the way God made me and I get a whole lot done. And so in that sense, it's kind of cool. And I I think it's okay to embrace that that's kind of cool. But on the other hand, uh, there are shadows of achievement where you do base your worth on what you produce. And that is a fatal trap. (laughs) And I'm sure that you'll have some uh, insight about that as well. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I, you know, I do think that it's, it's tough to find that balance. It's tough to, to figure out like, okay, how much of this is my personality and how much of this is really, you know, just really sin. It's, a, you know, a way to go after feeling good and, you know, feeling okay. That is all about myself and, you know, building my identity around what other people think of me. So it's all about seeing myself through other people's eyes. And, you know, it's really not about Jesus at all. And, so, you know, there's that side of it. But then, like you said, there is also this other side of, you know, yeah, but I get stuff done. And, you know, I'm, I'm a person that, you know, people can look to, to, to get things done. And, and also I just enjoy producing. I enjoy being successful. I enjoy building a business. I enjoy, you know, writing books. I enjoy staying on top of things. And so, yeah, that's definitely just a part of my personality and who God made me to be. And I, I really have, it's taken me a long time to figure out you know, what parts of this are God-given and what parts of this are my own warping of the God-given personality? I think, I think anyone who has this bent has a struggle with it. Like, I think it just as people have other bents have struggles with those bents as well. So I just resonate with it so much. So I wanted to bring that up. I think the other thing too, like you said about struggling with a certain bent, you know, is that this, this particular, you know, if you want to call it a temptation, you know, the temptation to like, build your self-worth around what you get done. This particular one is one that the world really rewards. Right. You know, that that people look at and say, oh, you know, she's got it together or, you know, they reward it financially or whatever. So, you know, unlike other ways that people go about trying to feel good about themselves, this one can get you pretty far. And so, you know, that's a danger too, because, you know, you feel like you're getting accolades. You feel like you're getting, you know, pat on the back from everybody when in reality, you know, you're going down a road that's really self-destructive, but it doesn't seem self-destructive from the outside. No, it's an addiction that supposedly doesn't need rehab, but <laughs> uh, maybe it does. I can, I can argue with that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it really does. Yeah. And that's part of my story that I want to tell today, I think, too, is just getting to that point of, of understanding that. Yeah. And that's where I want to get into um, your story. You, you, When we talked before the show, you talked about kind of the past 10 years and what you've been learning. So um, why don't you bring us up to speed on what have you learned in this restory process in the past 10 years? What happened in your life? Well, I think that, you know, inevitably when you're on a path to to build that identity and self-worth around what you get done you know inevitably you're you're headed for a crash and burn and i didn't know that early on i didn't have any 
I didn't have any mentors really in my life in that regard. You know, the people that were in my life as mentors were more just people who I looked to for parenting advice or, you know, who seemed like godly women or whatever. But I didn't, I didn't really have anybody in my life that, you know, another like driven type woman who wanted to do things like write books or build a business or whatever. I, you know, there was no mentor that was, could really draw alongside me and say, you know, Hey, you're, you're headed for trouble. And I know that, I know that Jesus was calling to me that whole time, you know, was calling to me to surrender, was calling to me to rest, to be able to put down work, to step aside um, from what I was doing and really see him and know him and find my identity there. But I really wasn't learning it early on. I wanted to base my identity on other things. Mostly I think I wanted, I mean, some I wanted to base my identity on just being a servant and doing lots of things to please other people, to get them to to love me. I think that was part of it. But for me, more of the temptation was to do stuff, to do, you know, whatever it takes, impressive things to get people to admire me. And so that's just kind of the road I headed down. And, you know, like I said, it was mixed in with who I am as a person and the, the gifts and skills and abilities I have. So it wasn't all bad. But as I started to put those gifts and skills and abilities into practice, it was it was this mixture of success and this kind of lurking failure, I think, that you know, was, was on the horizon. So yeah, I started into publishing and homeschooling and business building. And I don't know, what part of all of that do you want to hear about? All three of those? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Like, so, yeah, just kind of give us a picture of what your life looked like then. So yeah, I, I had always wanted to write. I had always been, um, I'd always loved writing stories and plays and drama and stuff like that through through high school and even younger. So I decided I wanted to write a, a novel and I set out to do that. And it took a couple of years of, of working on that and going to conferences and meeting people and all that. But my first book came out when I was uh, about 35, I think. And so I was doing a lot of writing and, you know, getting contracts and continuing to write and starting to do some traveling just to research. I, all of my books are set in ancient history. So they're set like around the Mediterranean. So that's so tough for you <laughs> having to travel, travel to the Mediterranean. I really feel bad about that. <laughs> yes, it was a burden, but you know, I, I had to do it. Most people make comments about, you know, oh, nice tax write-off. That you, you get to travel and call it a business expense. So. My books are set in East Texas. It's not the same. <laughs> Yeah, you got to figure that out. You need a better plan there, strategy. <laughs> British Isles is next. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, so I was traveling and um, and also doing you know well, it's kind of all of a mixture. You know, you know how time blurs together. But in there, in the early days, I was homeschooling a couple of my kids, and yeah, I, was, I think two of them because the other two hadn't been born yet. But then I guess it's been about twelve years. This this sort of crazy thing came about where we just sort of stumbled into this business that we started building and. It really was nutty. And Mary, I know that you've heard the story before, but I'll just tell it really briefly that um, my daughter, who was 11 at the time, my oldest daughter, she wanted to go to horse camp and she was already going to church camp that summer. So this would have been a second week of camp. So we told her that she needed to make some money if she wanted to do that. And so she started buying things on sale, like at craft stores and places like that with coupons and putting them on eBay to sell and just make a couple of bucks each time she would make a sale. But this one product kept selling over and over again really well. And so we, I'd take her to the craft store and she'd get more of them and, and more things that were in that same line of, of things. And anyway, it just, it just started going crazy. And 
so we thought, well, you know, we can't, we were wiping out the craft store. We'd go back and go to resupply and they didn't have any more since the last time we were there and wiped them <laughs> Probably out. Probably sick was, of seeing you come. Yeah, Not it was again. just weird. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing because we were like, what, what is happening here? You know, why are people buying this from us and not from Michael's or whatever, you know? So anyway, we, um, we started dealing directly with the manufacturer and, you know, did what we needed to do to set up as a business to do that. And so all of that happened within a couple of months and then we started our own website and it just kind of grew and it kept growing and it kept growing. And, and I was learning as I went, I had never run a business. I had tried a lot of different businesses. I've always been entrepreneurial since I was a little kid. So I had done a number of different things, tried some different things, but this was the first one that really kind of hit. And so I was learning about marketing and adding product lines and, you know, just kind of expanding and building our customer base and learning how to do promotions and all of that. And so anyway, within a couple of years, it actually had grown to the point where it replaced my husband's salary and he was able to step away from what he was doing at the time and focus on our family and and help me run the business. And uh, so that was about 10 years ago. So, you know, that all seemed great. It seemed fantastic. And it was, it, you know, I still am just so grateful and feel so blessed that God has given us that freedom and, you know, the financial security that's come along with that. But what I found was that, you know, that success that I found in business building, you know, wasn't enough. I just wanted more and more and more and more. And it wasn't even more money. It was really just more, more accomplishment, more achievements, more stuff done, more stuff done, crossed off my list. You know, it just, it felt like I had to just keep going. And at the same time that I kept going, I, you know, I felt kind of like a misfit because I didn't feel like there was anybody around me that really was the same kind of person as me, you know, the women especially, and felt guilty because I wasn't sure if, you know, I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, if I was focused on my family enough or not. Felt a little bit judged sometimes, I think, by people. And, you know, I just kept pushing into that, that need to to do more. And so I think it did become an addiction. We were talking about that, you know, a few minutes ago. And I, you know, I, I often say that I turned into a workaholic and I feel like people throw that term around, but for me, I think it really was accurate where I I really had like this addiction to activity and achievement and getting things done. And it, you know, it was having it was having an impact on the whole rest of my life, my physical health, my spiritual health, my relationships, you know, it was kind of destroying me in all of those different areas. And but I still wanted more of it. You know, I just still felt like I couldn't get enough. It's like Turkish delight. Yeah. <laughs> You just want more yes. and more. Yes, except the white witch was me, I think, you know, <laughs> <laughs> feeding myself the Turkish delight. I don't right. know. Yeah. And, and like I said, the rest of the world, too, that says, wow, 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 you know, at everything you do. Wow, you run a business. Wow, you have books published. Wow, you know. And so, you know, I was cranking out the books and, you know, did about, I don't know, well, not at the pace of some people we know that I won't mention, but it's <laughs> Mary. <laughs> but I did, I guess, about 10 books in 10 years, um, you know, novels. And so, you know, that was kind of happening all along as well. And I had lots of good friends at the time who were telling me like to relax and, and you know, slow down. Just, you know, one friend who was always telling me, just be, you know, stop doing, just be. And I really wanted that to be true of me. I really wanted to be able to do that. But I, I just couldn't figure out how to make that happen. Every time I tried, it just felt like I felt so restless and anxious. And, you know, at the time I, I thought, well, that's just not me. That's just not my personality to slow down. But really, in hindsight, I, I know that it was this anxiety of a fear that I wasn't going to be valuable. I wasn't going to be worth anything if I didn't keep moving and keep getting done things done. So, so anyway, it all led up as I 
kind of alluded to, to a big crash one Christmas, which we call the Christmas, what do we call it in my house? Uh, the Christmas of which we do not speak. I think. <laughs> it's Voldemort Christmas. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so yes, it was a big, it was a big ugly thing that happened on Christmas Eve, basically, where I just, you know, I've just fell apart. I mean, I was just like a breakdown, I think. I don't know what, you know, in the old days, they used to call it a nervous breakdown, you know, like in our mother's generation. <laughs> oh, she had a nervous breakdown, poor girl. So I don't know what that means, but I think I had one. I don't know. And yeah, I just, I wanted to just chuck everything. You know, I wanted to like escape and run away and never come back. And I didn't want my responsibilities. I didn't want even the things that brought me pleasure. I didn't, I didn't want anything. I didn't want anything at all. And I, I tried to, you know, I didn't, I, I really was tempted to leave. I really felt like I wanted to just walk away. And it wasn't so much walking away from my husband or my family. It was just walking away from life, you know, from everything. And I resisted that, that day that it all happened because I knew in my heart that, you know, I would ruin Christmas for my children for the rest of their lives. If I, <laughs> then there was that Christmas. My mom right. wasn't around. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. So, you know, I held on for another couple of weeks and, uh, you know, just kept trying to work it through, work it through, and it, it wasn't happening. And so, so yeah, in January then of that year is when I feel like was the turning point of my life, really one of the major, major turning points of my life where I finally started to really take a look at what was going on and what was happening in my heart. And so it was a crazy thing. I, we, you know, we had this business and we, we had lots of like rewards points that we could use for travel and because of the, the business. And so I actually, I booked a trip by myself to Cancun for five days and just felt so horribly guilty about it. Like it was the worst, you know, most self-indulgent thing I'd ever done. But my husband was saying, no, you need to go somewhere. You need to get, you need to do <laughs> Please something. Please go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, go somewhere, get it right and come back instead of running away forever. So, um, so I did. And it was just amazing. It was an amazing week. And I really started to, to face what we were been talking about, that it was an addiction. And God started really talking to me about my heart and about my identity. You know, like I said, that just, where was that coming from? Where, you know, was I going to continue to just push forward and build this life around what I could do and what I could get done and how people viewed me? Or was I going to really root it really deeply in him and then see where he took me? you know, see what he did with my personality, with my gifts. But, you know, at the foundation of it would be him and my relationship with him. And so, yeah, I, I still remember I went down there with a, a list. I think it was 179 things on my to-do list when I left. And <laughs> yeah, wow. you know, just, you know, they, they, they of course had subcategories that, you know, it wasn't just one long list. It was it turned know, into 2,428 had, things. Yeah, they had headings and, and, and <laughs> of course you know, they numbers did. and priorities and color coding and I'm sure. But yeah. But anyway, this was this really crazy thing that I just felt like like God was convicting me about to throw it away, to just throw it away. And so I did. I threw away the entire to-do list in, you know, sort of a panic. Nothing like the panic attacks I had been sort of having before that because I really had more of a trust at that point. I think that he was going to take me through it. But but yeah, that was, you know, that was 8 years ago or so, 9 years ago, I guess. And I think since then really has just been the living it out and you know, I can talk more about that, but 
I know that it's a passion of yours to teach people and to help people through similar situations. And one of the things that you mentioned I thought was interesting was just this feeling of isolation that I think a lot of people feel. And especially, and I'll I'll just run to gender roles for a second just to add some more controversy, but I think there's some problems with gender roles in the church because I think if you're a an achieving woman who's career bent and, you know, or maybe your husband doesn't like do the thing that the Christian culture says you have to do. It's hard to find mentors because there's a very pervasive feeling about what a Christian woman is supposed to be and what a Christian man is supposed to be. And you mentioned you had a hard time finding someone who could mentor you who had kind of a similar bent as you. Can you speak a little bit to that frustration and maybe let us know if you've found anyone or if you've become that person for someone else? Yeah, I definitely did feel it as a frustration. And and like I said earlier, like not just a frustration, but you know, there was all this uncertainty and confusion and fear around it too, because, you know, if I'm the only person I know who feels this way, then clearly I must be wrong. That that just seemed like a given to me. You know, there's something wrong with me. And I would say that often. There is something wrong with me. Why can't I be, you know, content with this type of, you know, daily life or role or whatever you want to call it? You know, why why do I keep pushing for more? What is wrong with me? And and even after I felt like I, God really got a hold of my heart in that, you know, that time a few years ago I was just talking about and I started to really understand that this achieving thing was part of my personality. Even after that, I really longed for people to come alongside me and say, okay, so this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to have the basic personality of an achiever, but have your identity rooted not in what you get done or what you achieve, but in Christ. And, you know, I would read these books, especially for women, you know, and it was, you know, about balance or about, you know, just daily living or whatever. And they they all were, you know, kind of that that Mary Martha sort of thing. And I every time I would read them, I would think, you know what? I want to be Mary and Martha, not Mary or Martha. You know what I mean? I I want to be both. And I want to be Lazarus because he probably had some cool job. So I, you know, like throw him into the mix too. I want to be everything, you know? And so I just didn't feel like it was really hitting me where I was. And because of that, because of that lack of mentors and of material, I really felt like there must be something wrong with me. And so it's taken me a while to work through that, I think, to to really figure out what it looks like to be solid in your your identity in Christ and the love and acceptance that he has for you so that you can then go out and partner with him in the world to build the kingdom and use the gifts he's given you, not as a basis of getting admiration or getting love, but really just in partnership with him. And so, yeah, I mean, as I have worked through some of these things and thought through them and, you know, just written them out because that's what I do as a writer, I I started to have this desire to just communicate some of these things. And I started communicating them to, to other people and feeling like there was some, you know, people that were resonating with that and appreciating the message. And, and um, so this desire started to build in me to be that mentor for other people, to, you know, to put together things that, would help other people, women especially, because I feel like that's really where the lack is. But to put together materials that that could help others who've also felt like misfits, who also felt like they didn't quite fit and didn't quite know how to move forward with the gifts and skills that they've been given um, without getting all hung up on all the other stuff that we were talking about. So, so yeah, so that's kind of been my last year and a half or so really has been starting to 
uh, write some of that stuff and put those materials together. So that's been exciting and it's a new phase and I'm, I'm really excited about it. I um, had the privilege of being one of your like beta readers of the idea that you're talking about here called impactivity and uh, your site will be live when this goes on. Am I right? So it'll be impactivity.com. Yes. And I can just honestly say how refreshing it was to kind of read my own diary in a way, <laughs> but also to, I felt like how you couched all of that was as a wise mentor, but also one who struggled through it. So I didn't feel like you were, well, I've arrived and now here, let me impart things to you. You were vulnerable and honest about your own struggle, but you gave me permission to be myself. And I really, really appreciate that part of the books. It helped me to realize I was not alone. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why you and I both write books is we don't want people to feel like they're the only ones wrestling with a particular issue. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I so appreciate all your feedback, you know, over all these concepts in the past few years. But um, yeah, I mean, I, man, I have not arrived by any means. I, you know, this is a daily struggle and, you know, there's always going to be that, that pull toward focusing more on myself and my own achievements and what that gets me, whether it's in the eyes of other people or financial success or, you know, whatever, um, then focusing on the fact that I'm, I'm really just partnering with God to do the kingdom work that he's calling me to. So it's, yeah, it's definitely a daily, daily struggle. And, and yeah, the impactivity stuff has been, it's been fun and it's been challenging. It's been convicting. I can't tell you how many times I've said things to my, my family or my husband, like, yeah, there's this book. I really ought to read it and start implementing <laughs> some of the principles in it. Like life would be so much better if I would just follow the principles in this great book I read. Oh, I mean, I wrote. <laughs> I wrote. Yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a process, but I do feel like I have learned things and, you know, has have a desire to share those things. Just things about like just getting unstuck about, you know, figuring out your dream, figuring out what it is that God's calling you to do. Like what is it that your gifts and abilities are given to you for? What is, you know, what is it all about? Getting clarity about that. And then, you know, taking that sort of natural productivity that people have, a lot of women have, especially, I think, that, you know, we just kind of funnel into all kinds of things in sort of this frenzied, frantic way sometimes. And really getting intentional about that and figuring out how can I use that to, to really make a lasting impact on people. And, you know, what does that look like? And creating a strategy around that and then learning to balance all of that with rest and with relationships and, you know, all of those other things that it takes to be healthy. And so I coined this term impactivity, you know, it's just basically because I, I felt like I've always been about productivity. I love productivity, but I don't want to be productive just for its own sake. I want to have a lasting impact on the world. I want to make a difference. And so to take that productivity and and put it together with making an impact is where I got the word impactivity. So that's what we're up to. And yeah, it's been, the book came out about a year ago and now we're just kind of relaunching with um, a lot of different resources around it and um, a podcast and just some different things. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about starting to really work with women, especially to, to help them get unstuck and get clarity and strategy and all of that. I love that. And this um, episode's airing at the very beginning of the year. So it's a really great episode to uh, put in your iPod and listen to. But also today, uh, your book is free just for January 2nd. And so if you hear about this later, then um, you'll have to buy it. But uh, right now it is free on Amazon. Is that right? That's Other right. Day. Yeah. 
So um, definitely, definitely download that today. Make it a point to download it. Uh, I actually gifted it to a friend of mine who's a businesswoman and she has been haranguing me and harassing me. When is Tracy going to finish all those books? Because she just absolutely needed it and loved it. And is all, she's going to be so excited when I tell her that the whole site is going to be live. And Oh, cool. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, we've got workbooks and a lot of free stuff and, uh, you know, just some different videos and all different things. In fact, I have I have something free for your listeners, especially. Um, I wanted to put together something free for them. So if they go to impactivity.com forward slash restory, uh, a little freebie there. It's basically just a, a one page kind of a thing I wanted to put together that is called how to get free to follow the dream. And it's really just about figuring out how to get free of the things that are stopping us, the obstacles that are keeping us from pursuing the calling that we feel like God has on our life, or maybe we are wondering if we have a calling on our life. And we've got a whole like hundred page workbook around that topic, but I just wanted to create something, a summary for your, your readers or your listeners. So um, yeah, impactivity.com forward slash restory. They can get that. And, and also I just wanted to invite everybody to our new podcast as well. So obviously your podcast listeners are people who love podcasts. That's right. <laughs> so we have um, the impactivity podcast. It's brand new and I'm really excited about it. So I would love to have them join us there and subscribe to that so that I can connect with them further. That would be great. Awesome. That's so great. So as you look back on your journey of of impactivity and of learning to know that your worth is not based on what you do, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's battling that same thing today? I think the best advice I can give is to is to stop and think. To stop saying, staying so busy that you can't think. I, you know, there's such a temptation to just keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, when I relax, I feel guilty. We say that all the time and I just, I can't slow down. And I think I would say, you know, slow down, do it, stop, you know, get, get intentional, listen to your heart, listen to God, really take whatever time that it takes to go deep enough there to really analyze some of those issues of your heart and figure out what's going on? Why are you so busy? Why are you frantic all the time? Why are you feeling overworked and overwhelmed and exhausted and all of that? Because I think busyness can kill our joy and it can kill our impact as well. So I think it would just be to slow down and think and really look at your life. And to go to Cancun for five days would be really great too. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't pretend that everybody can do that. I know, I know. That, that was extraordinary and, you know, and. <laughs> hey, it's all about points. <laughs> it's all about the points. It's all about that's the right. point. <laughs> Save up for your own personal breakdown. That is the, that's the takeaway here. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should have a fund for that. I probably do need that. <laughs> So as we look back, as you look back on your year, how has God restoried you in the past year? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this before we started talking today because I, you know, I knew you were going to ask that as you often do of your guests. And I was thinking about just story in general, you know, we're both novelists, so we, we understand story structure and what it means to be in a story. And I was thinking, you know, every protagonist has a story goal. There's always a, you know, a goal, something that they're trying to accomplish, you know, something they're trying to obtain or escape or whatever it is. There's a, there's a goal for that character all through the story. And I think that's the restoring that is happening in me is that that goal has been so radically altered. That goal of, you know, feel good about myself, be a valuable person, be worthwhile, have others admire me. That's what's been really restoried so that, you know, I have this different goal now. And what happens is that it's so freeing, you know, when your identity is not coming from what you get done, you know, how much you get crossed off or whatever. And so in this past year, I would say it's been an incredibly busy year for me. We've had 
just kind of an assortment of things going on with our family that have been very, very time consuming and draining. And, you know, just to be able to walk through that and know that in many ways, my to-do lists had to be set aside or were getting set aside, but to feel free from that, to feel like that's okay. You know, like life is about the impact I'm having and the stuff that God's calling me to this year while not on my agenda, perhaps, or not, you know, part of my to-do list, those things were about having impact. And so while there might not have been as much productivity, there was impactivity. And I think that that's, that's a restoring for me to be able to say that and feel good about it and not just feel like it's words like, well, you know, all interruptions are, you know, divine appointments. And, you know, like <laughs> we say that, we say that, but we don't, always we don't mean that. Feel it. No, we don't. We're just trying to make ourselves, you know, okay with it. But I think I, I, I think God is restoring me in the sense of really, really letting me feel that, really letting me sink into that and just be at peace, be joyful, be be okay with whatever it is that he has for me to get done. Because like I said, I'm just partnering with him. So, you know, the yoke is going over both of us and I'm working at his pace. And that's a completely different place to be than where I used to be before. I went to Cancun, as my friends call it. That's the phrase now for losing your sanity and, and <laughs> fleeing the country. My friends call it going Cancun. So, yeah, in those days before I went Cancun, I, I <laughs> would not have been able to have a year like I've had this past year and, and still feel a true sense of joy at what God did in my life. Yeah, so good. And I appreciate your honesty with that too. And I think a lot of the listeners will relate to that. I think we all, especially after, you know, we've ended up ending a year and beginning a new one, we're all in that space of reevaluation. So just the message comes at a really timely time. Yep. The new year is always fun. Lots of planning, <laughs> lots of uh, figuring it all out. A lot of resolutions you have to not do <laughs> or you end up doing for two weeks very joyfully and then let it go. Yeah. Yep. But all of that can be good too, you know, cause it's a time of reflection and that's kind of what I was saying before too, that I would say, you know, just take the time to reflect, take the time to really think about the past year, think about the coming year and you know, really analyze your heart. Think about, you know, just really go there, go deep. Yep. I agree. And that's what I'll be doing this year as the year turns. So thank you so much, Tracy, for being on the Restory Show and for bringing that message. I think it's going to be a blessing to many. Thank you, Mary. Hey, thanks for listening to the Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord Jesus, thank you for just the beginning of a new year and what it means to really evaluate our lives and to take time away from our busy schedules to really think about what is most meaningful to us and how we can create the kind of life that we've always wanted. So I pray that you would help us to slow down enough to do that, to really be brave enough to listen to our hearts and to create space in our lives to hear from you. Uh, Sometimes life has been so chaotic that we just don't hear from you and we go days and days and days without communicating with you. But I pray today that you would, you just meet us in those places where we are broken and needy and confused and maybe we don't know what the future holds, but I trust that you will make things clear. And Lord, I thank you that every person listening to this podcast today has a very special gift. You have gifted all of us so uniquely and they have a very special role to play in this world. So as each of them begin to evaluate their next year, I pray that they would begin to step into that God-breathed goal. Thank you for loving us and thank you for being near. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you'd like to know more about today's show with links and extended information, please go to marydemuth.com forward slash restory 2-15. 
and may you live a brand new story this week.